0: Hey, hey, this is Chase Masterson, host of Disco Nights, inviting you to join us every Sunday as the disco party continues with our fabulous guests. Like us. Like us. Like you. And you, our audience. So we'll see you here next Sunday night. Bring your disco shoes.
1: Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, co-host of Inglorious Trexperts, and if you're a fan of Battlestar Galactica, and who isn't, check out my new oral history of Battlestar Galactica with Ed Gross, So Say We All. It spans the complete history of Battlestar Galactica from the 1978 series to Ronald Moore's Brilliant Reinvention and even Galactica 1980. Available from Tor Books, wherever books are sold.
2: Hello, this is not Richard Dreyfuss, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to the 430 Movie Podcast at (laughs) 430movie.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is Darren Docterman, and we are the Inglorious Experts.
1: And I'm really excited about today's episode. It's uh, another subject that's near and dear uh, to my heart: Star Trek comics, Star Trek comic books, the history, uh, the past, present, and future of uh, Star Trek and the four color world. <laughs> and uh, it sounds think like fun. We, we we will have the gold key to it all. Oh, uh, see, I, oh, see oh I see. I <laughs> see. Um, I, I want to introduce you before we get too far down the road um, with uh, our guest. Once again, uh, Rob Meyer-Burnett is here. Uh, welcome back,
3: Rob. Thank you, Mark. It's good and, to be
1: here. And uh, and then uh, we're joined by... Uh, two of uh, the most well-known Star Trek comic book uh, writers who've been um, just doing some amazing work for uh, IDW uh, in various universes. Uh, Recently, their uh, newest uh, series, The Q Conflict, came out in which all four crews unite to deal with the uh, Q Continuum. Wow. And uh, they uh, were kind enough to uh, bring us their uh, collection, um, uh, Mirror Broken, which is, uh, you know, we were talking in the Mirror episode how there never was a, uh, a mirror. next generation. Well, here in it is. It, here it is. Here it sits. And, uh, so, it
2: seems like a comic book to me,
4: Commander. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, um, you know, Star Trek has had a, a uh, much like, you know, we always have these conversations, it's ups and downs, and but, you know, here, here You haven't again, mentioned
2: their names yet.
1: I didn't say Scott and David Tipton? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, hey, ladies, let, let, okay, so, well, I'm excited to have here with us um, uh, two of the, the most well-known, prominent, and, and talented of the uh, Star Trek comic book writers who have been working on a numerous titles for IDW. And uh, that is, in case you haven't guessed already, Scott and David Tipton. How you doing?
5: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks thanks for having you.
1: Um, I haven't seen these guys since we did the Long Beach Comic Con like nine zillion years ago. That was a fun panel. That was a fun panel. That was a fun panel. And um, it's always a great time talking about Star Trek comics because it's sort of what Gene Roddenberry said about the animated show. You know, you can do anything. But then when you start to get into it, you kind of realize... That you shouldn't do do anything. That you shouldn't do anything. (laughs) That really is the key. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, uh, it's it's absolutely true because um, otherwise you'll end up with uh, a gold key comic. Wow, um, an,
5: early, an early Gold Key comic. <laughs> an early Gold Key comic. Well, I, yeah, let's go
1: back. You know, I like to do these things sort of in a linear fashion, only because a lot of the audience is not necessarily familiar with sort of when we do these deep dives into the history. And, and uh, you know, the history of Star Trek comics goes all the way back to the second season, the original Star Trek, right. when Gold Key got the license. And what's so wonderful about those Gold Key comics, or, or I don't know if wonderful is the right word, is that the artist who was in Italy... Right. You know, never saw it. Got a couple, of maybe, photos for reference. Right. And there's just so many anachronisms that it's like insane. He had no
2: guide for putting it back. <laughs> None no whatsoever. <laughs>
1: um, you know, they're wearing space backpacks that they got like a big five. You know, uh, with the like radio transistors. Apparently, a rocket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right there, there, are, there
0: are flames coming out of
5: the cells. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And uh, my favorite bit is that I think the photos of Rand were in black and white. So they thought her beehive was a hat. So it's Uh, colored red.
2: Oh my goodness. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's awesome.
3: But there is something charming about those comics. Yeah. I mean, there's giant man-eating plants. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of things in those comics that are the most un-Star Trek. It's all pulp sci-fi.
1: I remember when uh, many years ago, this was uh, like in the early 70s, Is one of the first Star Trek books I had besides the Blish adaptations were these great trade paperback collections of um, the Gold Key comics. I love them. I still have it. So dog-eared. Now, subsequently, IDW did some great hardcover uh, reissues of them, Mm -hmm. uh, which I highly recommend. And in fact, Eagle Moss now is reprinting a bunch of Star Trek comics, or all of them, I, I understand, but each uh, includes a bonus gold key adventure,
5: wow. which is just delightful. Yeah, yeah. We, we had those, two and I think ours were like in liquid form. Yeah. We read them <laughs> so <laughs> much. We, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we loved them
0: around everywhere. They went in the back to the 72 Impala when we had to go to the store, so they, they got read a lot, yeah. <laughs> was, and
5: there was a charm to them because I, like, that first year, no, they didn't really know the show, so you have Spock up in space saying, well, the only thing to do is the carpet bomb the planet.
2: <laughs> we can't be too careful with these with these plant
5: aliens. And they just carpet bombed the planet.
2: Obviously that was the logical choice.
5: <laughs> but
1: they had some crazy I mean remember there was one where there's the machines that were like constantly um, building cities on a planet right. mm-hmm. and, it, it, and they couldn't stop the machines from building yeah. cities but it, it outpaced the population so there were just these empty cities being built I mean it was really I mean rents was...
2: dropped precipitously <laughs> yeah, <I> mean,
1: <laughs> it, but it's funny but you look at China now where they were building all these cities yeah. and they're empty because they couldn't yeah. fill them and it's just um, it, it, it's, it, it, it's just like some really wacky
5: stuff well, you mentioned the focus on history earlier.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of those early ones. There's always guys wearing robes. There's a whole like a middle Middle Ages thing going on. It's like sure. there's a lot of Bronze Age guy, like guy. And I don't mean comics Bronze Age. It might be historical <laughs> Bronze Age. <laughs> and there's always guy at that end. There's also the running theme of the they go to a planet and it'd be oh this week it's the, the planet of the crystalline people and the next week it'd be the rock people.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I remember. I particularly remember one where it
5: was a planet where they just made robots of historical figures. So they beam down and, oh, here's George Washington. Oh, here's Nero. And Nero's got a little fiddle. Yeah.
1: And I, I mean, you know, there was a point at which Len Wein got involved right. with the um, Gold Key comics and they got better. Yeah, they got
5: a lot more like Star Trek at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and and, and unfortunately, I didn't understand why adamantium claws were coming out of Spock. But, <laughs> um, it was really, really cool. And, um, you know, Doug Drexler has talked on the show about his involvement, you know, uh, when the guys walked in. I love when he tells this story, how the guys who walked into the Federation Trading Post. They they worked across the street. For, right. right. Gold Key comics was yeah. across the street. They were doing a lot of licensed stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. and they, they they were like the cock of the walk when they walked in you know what we do the uh, Star Trek comic and everyone started laughing oh, that <laughs> oh, that like oh my god and they're like why are you laughing it's like because it's awful <laughs> <laughs> and he said well you think you can do better and Doug's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> We got better in 1979 it, it, did. It, it got a lot better, um, you know, and, and I'm not even going to really talk about the newspaper strips because, I, I, I mean, again, IDW did a beautiful hardcover Two. collection yeah. those nice of those beautiful yeah. uh, newspaper strips, uh, which were uh, published uh, in conjunction with Star Trek the Motion Picture. Um, and I don't even know if I knew at the time they existed because I don't think they were syndicated in New York. Mm. Um, I, I read those,
3: I, I read them too. And right. they concurrently then Marvel Comics started there. Well, yeah, let's so right. let's talk
1: about the big license. Was Star Trek, uh, did the uh, Marvel Comics did got the Star Trek license in '79. There right. was that beautiful, you remember that? Um, yes. Star Trek the Motion Picture. Uh, uh, the special, special. album it's super special <laughs> super yeah. special yeah. Yeah. remember
2: the cover on that yeah which was after uh, you know done after the style of James Bama who did the original uh, illustration of Kirk's head and Spock's head for you know the original series and they did the composition exactly the same but with the new uh, motion picture characters it's really it's it looks, beautiful. It, it's we, gorgeous.
5: We were at Comic Con this year at a table that had stacks and stacks of the Super Specials, and he beat me to that motion picture one by
3: like seconds. <laughs> I was so angry.
0: <laughs> it has the entire Memory Wall sequence in it. That's too. correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's right. That's right. That's right. You know, I it always... only ran like 19 issues. The, yeah, the Marvel
1: mar- the run. Marvel yeah. Comics the Marvel so I run. I want to. I want to talk about that. But I will say, I always, you know, I always loved when we talk about these movie adaptations. Star Trek Three actually. Uh, did the destruction of the Enterprise better than the movie because in the movie, you know, Kirk just rushes in the transporter room and beams down. In the comic book, Kirk stops and, like, closes his eyes, like, when he's in the transporter. He's, like, so, like, I can't believe I'm blowing, I'm killing the Enterprise. Mm. Well, wait a minute. it's, It's a much more powerful moment than actually in the movie where it's just so, like, run and gun.
3: But you're jumping ahead to companies because yeah, that's the, DCA, the
1: direct competition. I, our okay. <laughs> okay. I just had to mention because I'm sure we won't get back to it. But um, let's talk about Marvel because you may, I think we were together. Uh, this is the beauty of Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con. We're literally sitting at the bar at the Marriott many years ago um, and Marvel Wolfman comes in. And, uh, you know, I think we all had known him a little bit, uh, but he hadn't really had a long time. Con- so he sits down, we start bullshit. So Rob and I, and I, I'm pretty sure it was you, are like, okay, so here's the thing. You left Marvel to go to DC in the middle of the haunted house in space <laughs> arc of uh of, of and, and, and 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 you know of Star Trek. So how are you gonna end it? <laughs> because you know, another writer comes on and finishes The Haunted House in Space and it was right, the Enterprise encounters a haunted house in space and,
3: and it's like you remember what you were gonna do? And he's like, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> And then also, you know those Marvel comic books—they only had the rights to the movie, right? Yeah. Right. So they couldn't bring back anybody from the original series. They only had the no, Mister Aricks. No, they couldn't no. do any of that. And no. and those comics—I mean, Martin Pasco—I remember the cover. We are dying, Egypt, dying, and it was like the Sphinx. And it <laughs> yeah. was. They were just not There's good. Spock mm-hmm. the Barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. there was. They weren't good, and and luckily. Uh, it, it 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 mercifully was was put out of its misery. Yeah, it didn't la- it didn't last long. Fortunately, we yeah. also oh had my that, goodness.
5: As, as kids that haunted house issue. I think everybody had that issue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the one thing that was great about that first issue was. Was Raytag, the alien guy, oh, yeah. the, pri- the alien prisoner? Because oh, he was goodness. clearly like an, an HR Geiger alien. <laughs> they right. <it> was colored him <laughs> red, but he was scary.
1: <laughs> right, <laughs>
3: it's so funny. Yeah, it, 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 the Star Trek comics really got interesting when DC took them right. over. Right,
1: DC had a lot more success. They had the license for
3: a long time. Yeah, and and they did the adaptation. It was after Star Trek Two, but yeah, it was bef- It was after Star Trek Three. Yeah, they, was-
5: they did. They never adapted
3: Two. Right. Okay. They adapted three. What was really interesting. Nobody did
5: anything with two.
1: Because nobody had any expectations after Star Trek 1 that two would.
3: Because when DC first took over, it was after Star Trek 2. And then they did. They had a few issues. And then they did their long Mirror Universe arc that went up to episode like issue, episode, issue like 12. And it was a long yeah, arc really about long the mirror the time, universe. Yeah. But it you know, started out with, there was the Klingons, there was that space station, and then that led into, and they brought, that DC comic brought a Klingon, Conum, right. the character of Conum, right. onto the bridge. Oh, that's right. So there was a Klingon and the Native American. And yeah, yeah, Bear Claw. Oh, yeah. And some Bear Claw. So which is a precursor of Chakotay, precursor of Worf, mm-hmm. all, and you had Mike Barr and Ricardo Villagran and and Tom Sutton doing the on art and Mark well, Mike but you Barr know, was. You know what was really him. interesting about that, era? and it was much like the challenge that
1: Marvel had with the Star Wars comics, because between Empire and Jedi, you had no Han Solo. So you basically have. You know, Lando and Chewie gunning around uh, the Star Wars universe for three years, um, you know, going to the planet of the Hoojibs while they're spinning <laughs> their wheels until you get yeah. Han Solo back. The DC Star Trek had the same thing after Star Trek Two, right. where Spock was dead. And they had to spin their wheels until Star Trek Three, yeah. where
3: Spock comes back.
0: And then DC did this thing where they would like sort of reboot the the, the series because well, a movie came out and changed what they were doing, so they had to figure out well, what do we do now. Right, right,
3: like I remember they took over. It was they had the Excelsior and after Spock Star Trek Three. was Captain, right? Right. Yeah, and it was it was all it was crazy. Uh, and those first, the first incarnation of the Star Trek comic, I want to say it ran like seventy issues. Yes. Something, that it, something like yeah. that. I mean, and they did some really interesting stuff, but then they rebooted it, when it with, in Baxter paper. And yeah. And, and, yeah. And, yeah. What, Peter...
5: and what was crazy was they would actually, within the confines of their storytelling, try to find a way to get themselves back to where they had been to start the next movie. So mm. even though they'd had two years right. or three years of Captain Spock and Excelsior, they had to go back to Vulcan and be prisoners again for the next adaptation.
1: Right. Yeah. It's it's funny, I you know, that you mentioned the DC Comics. The, 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 I did uh, one of the Star Trek DCs um, and uh, it was I'd been doing a bunch of Deep Space Nines for, Marvel, uh, for uh, Malibu. And um, the, so Margaret Clark called me up and said, you want to do an original Star Trek? I'm like, would I? And uh, so I did it. I still have that, you know, uh, check stub from DC like framed. <laughs> as it was like, oh my God, I just got paid by, you know, DC Comics. This is so cool.
3: They did a great, I thought DC, especially the second incarnation of DC, did a great job. With the Star Trek comics, I mean, when Peter David, the the trial of James T. Kirk, a great run. and they were bringing back all of the characters like Bella Ox mix comes back or whatever, and then they did Next Generation. They yeah. started Next Generation '87, and uh, then they were publishing Next Gen comics and uh, classic the classic series concurrently. They would come out. Yeah, there, was, there was a period
5: where there was so much Trek content coming out from D.C. Mm. that they went ahead and extended their who's who line of encyclopedia comics into the Star Trek one, which was <laughs> great. Yeah.
3: And, like, Howard Chaikin did those covers, mm-hmm. which was great. And then they published some – they they did the Chris Claremont graphic novel. The Adam Hughes one, Bed of, of Honor. Yeah. That was awesome. Right. Yeah. Oh, man, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and so you had DC
1: having a lot of success with with the comics. And then you had Malibu got the Deep Space Nine license. And, you know, obviously I'm partial. I thought they did some really good. Mark Paniccia, who's now Marvel, was the editor, did some great work. You know, I know I had an amazing experience doing Tarek Nor, uh, which was Deep Space Nine Zero. Um, But then they were supposed to get Voyager. And, they, and 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 at the last second, they didn't. Because I remember I was doing a limited series that was going to tee up the Voyager comic. And it says, you know, and it, it leads into it. But then they didn't get the Voyager license. Because oh. I think that was mm. when Marvel was about to buy Malibu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so they then did, they tried a bunch of stuff that didn't work. Like early Wait, Voyages. I got, a, I got
3: a good story for you for that. I was hired because of Star Trek Eternal. I got hired at Paramount to work for their licensing department. And I had to write things like, uh, I was hired because they hated their Voyager game that Viacom had made internally, so they needed somebody to tell the the Viacom Interactive people that their Star Trek game was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) So that's literally what I was hired to do. And I had to write, uh, and then... I wrote this in passion. They were gonna yank the license from DC because they didn't want Warner Brothers to have right. the comic license for their property and they were gonna give the license to Marvel. Right. And I wrote like this tw- ridiculous, it was not asked for, it was on spec, <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a 20 page plea to please not give the license, because I love the DC comics. Yeah, And I wrote a this 20 job. page letter of why they shouldn't give the license to Marvel. It was, no one heeded it. No one cared. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, who was I? Like, I'm just, you know, I was mouthfeeling. You hated the Voyager yeah. game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, and I was hired to say that. So I wrote this plea, but that didn't happen. And what happened? Marvel took over. Yeah, so and Marvel then what did they over, do? And
1: then they do a bunch of really weird titles. Like, they do early voyages, which is, you know, setting the k- pike. But he keeps going back to Pike. And that yeah. comic was pretty good, actually, the Pike well, that comic. That was the more interesting yeah. one because the, the, that at least was interesting and at the time was sort of unplumbed and there was some cool artwork and, it, it, and they embraced the retro of it all. Mm-hmm. So it was that look of, you know, 60s yeah. kind of look, which yeah. it should have But had. they
2: also did the big crossover.
1: Oh God! Was that the first of X? It was X Men uh-huh.
3: meets Star Trek. So that was the first of.
1: Was this post Alien versus Predator or? No, it, it no. predated that. Yeah, it predated Jesus. It. And
3: then Michael Jan Freeman wrote a novel, an X Men novel, a Star Trek X Men crossover novel. I mean, so this was the beginning of like the cross, the the, the yeah. cross pollination of universes. And they did two. They did one with the original series and one with Next Gen. Mm. Great. Yeah, those are <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we don't talk about that But now much, look, what right? IDW, <laughs> IDW's cross Star Trek over with Planet of the Apes, <laughs> with Green Lantern, with <laughs> Lloyd Legion of Superheroes. You might
5: have involved some of those. Doctor <laughs> <laughs> that, that might have been us. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um,
5: <laughs> we, we zombies. We did zombies. <laughs> well, so did the show. So <laughs> <laughs> that was what we said. That's what we told them. To actually. Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, what what else did Marvel? Because Marvel, like, they, they made a Academy. big deal Starfleet that Academy. they were rolling out, like, multiple titles, right? They mm-hmm. did Starfleet Academy. They did Early Voyages. They did... They were doing Next Gen. But most of the stuff was real garbage, if yeah, I well, remember. And
5: the biggest problem, like, I... Uh, the uh, The Captain Pike series... Stories were really good. Scripts yeah. were great. And the art was good for the time, but it's a very 90s looking comic. Right. And it yeah. kind of goes against the, the feel that uh, Pike should have,
3: yeah. which it should
0: look more. It had that 90s style. It's super like, 90s. Yeah. It look and they made, they made all their
3: Star Trek <laughs> comics look like Marvel comics. Yeah. Swashbuckling. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, everybody was very and and
1: Also, because
5: I think part of the reason Marvel bought Malibu was to get their hands on Malibu had this revolutionary coloring system, computerized coloring. So the coloring on these Trek books, not that Marvel had this great coloring system, was super bright and vibrant and just too shiny. Mm -hmm. Mm. So they just didn't really fit the feel that well.
3: Well, that's interesting. And that was a short-lived stint. Yeah. Marvel right. did not last long. A couple of years maybe? Three or four?
5: Maybe three or four. And then yeah. Wildstorm had it for even less time. I right. Think. And that, that was, was the right. next
3: French the next company. Jim Lee's Wildstorm got that. And this was like what, the nineties when like
1: everyone was launching these comic book companies like techno comics and big comics and you go to Comic Con and the floor was just dominated by all these people <laughs> who were spending like Leonard hundreds Neymar of thousands of business. Yeah, he, he sure did the primevals. Yeah. And Shatner did Tech, tech Wars, War. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And every, everyone was getting the comics. It was what, uh, you know, podcasts are now. <laughs> it, was, it, was like, it was like, oh, I'm going to do this as an incubator to do my big movie and my big TV show, and, and, and it never happens. They all failed. And they all failed. Jim
3: yeah. Shooter kept failing repeatedly.
5: Now, Wildstorm, what did they do for for, for
3: Trek? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I remember they was got the Voyager franchise. Voyager?
4: I think it was Voyager, yeah, right? Yeah, some I feel
0: like it was Wildstorm Voyager. Right that, that's
1: about, and then
3: they did they do the an anime Star
5: Trek? So that was Tokyo Pop.
3: Oh,
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay.
3: Which are great. Those are I pretty, love. Those I love those, those. You know. Yeah. I mean, they're not. I should say not great. They're fun. <laughs> you know, like they're Star f- Trek. Oh nine. Yeah. Right. That's right. I'm trying to remember what
1: I, I feel like they did something else, but maybe you know, it's like none of us. There's no IMDb here. There's no Wikipedia. Memory Alpha. No
3: Electronic <laughs> Frontier. We, we do this <laughs> off the top of our head. Nobody's looking at notes. Um, well, as you, I mean, you guys are writers. What did you, what, are, what were your influences? Were there Star Trek comics that you guys liked that you wanted to emulate, and how did you well, get let, involved? Let,
1: let's tee that up. That's a great question. But let, let's explain. And then IDW got the license and has had it ever since, and done a very successful job of translating Star Trek to the four color world. And yep. they, they've done Next Generation. Um, they, they've done the movies. Uh, you know, they did a
3: prequel to to, to to 2010. They had Robert April. You know? Yeah, the, the uh, countdown's canonical. That the 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 two thousand nine prequel comic is canonical, and apparently they're now using it as the basis of the new Picard series. Because why not?
4: Hmm.
1: There you go. The Corvus
3: <laughs> Nebula, or the Corvus explosion, the whatever.
1: So it's, anyway, but, but, so anyway, that tease up our 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 friends here who have now done a ton of stuff, you know, for IDW. So. Um, you know, who's doing a great job with the license and uh you know um it, it, you know not since dc had there been sort of a readable star trek comic and and you know <laughs> the, so so if, as rob asked it would be great to know yeah what sort of your influences and maybe you know obviously you're both huge star trek fans but you know, tell us how, sort of how you came to it and you know, maybe, you know, looking back at all the stuff we just talked
5: about, you know, what were the highlights for you growing up reading Well, Star yeah, for us, it was, growing up, it was those goals key. That was, that was I, we read those to death. And, I mean, even though the, those first few are very kind of wobbly story-wise, there's just such a charm to them. And then once you can tell whenever Len kicks in on the stories... Even though he didn't depend on the old characters from the series that much, as far as guest stars and villains, it still had the feel of it. And I think the art in that series is underrated. Yeah, I do too. I mean, uh, Shatner, and we've noticed this over the years with various artists, Shatner, young Shatner, is hard to capture mm-hmm. in comics. He's got he's, he's got like a soft features. He's not like a big strong jaw or anything. And the Italian artist just nailed. Shatner in, the, in those Gold Key books, especially later on. So that was our biggest kind yeah, of...
0: Yeah, it's also interesting to me, too, that, that you could see that over time, the Gold Keys, they, they kept getting more popular. I mean, early on, it was a quarterly book. It was a monthly book. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, it was it was truly monthly. And that's when it went to Marvel. And so the, those books actually had a big mind share for a lot of people like, I think, me and my brother because that was where you got your new Star Trek before the motion picture came out. Yeah, that
5: right. was, that was right. the, your main source for new Trek stories. Yeah. And as for how we get into it, um, I had just started writing for IDW. I was writing Angel comics and Spike comics,
3: mm-hmm.
5: and there was there was um, kind of scuttlebutt that they were going for Star Trek. And I, I told Chris Ryle, who was editor in chief at the time, I said, "Look, I'm not saying give me the job. You can't just give me the job. Open the door a little. Just let me pitch <laughs> CBS, and I'll, I'll get I'll get myself in there." And so I pitched them on a Klingon series. Uh, basically doing Rashomon with the Klingons, where we look at all the classic episodes from the Klingon perspective. Right. And that was our first book, Blood Will Tell. And then as we, we, the pitch got, got um, accepted... And then I realized, okay, I'm going to be calling up my brother every day with questions and advice <laughs> on this thing. Why don't you come in and write it with me on this first one? Yeah. And if you like it, we'll keep doing it. And if you don't like it, don't worry about it. And that's been 10 years.
0: No, yeah, I guess I liked it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, I mean, you've gone on and done such interesting things, but i, I got to imagine as, you know, original recipe fans um, and, and you know, people who've loved this for years that having the chance to work with Harlan on the alternate version I guess alternate world version of sitting on the edge of forever um what must have been a
0: true highlight it was crazy it was an interesting experience <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean Harlem was actually great with us uh, you know we we knew what Harlem was like yeah. Scott had met him before I had
5: because I, I, I my, my, my own a comic shop here in in LA and we had already re- we already sold a big chunk of his comic collection so mm. I'd gotten to meet him a couple of times. I'd been I'd been to to the the Aztec Temple on Mars, and mm. I, I I knew what Harlan was like, and you know there's a certain trepidation because Harlan was Harlan. He was legendary, and the, the biggest secret about Harlan that I can tell now that he's gone is he was such a sweet guy.
0: Yeah, and he didn't want, he didn't want people to he know. He didn't want right? anyone <laughs> to know.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: now,
0: I remember when we were at the comic shop where it was a signing for when, when the the uh, city came out. And uh, Harlan was out in the front signing books and had a line around the corner. And it was full Harlan, you know, in court in there. And he he was signing people, talking to people, and and, and he was really engaged and just crazy. (laughs) And that's how Harlan was. And I remember at one point where I walked in the back for a while and I saw Scott was there and Chris Ralph, my day was there. The artist was there at J.K. And, and I looked at it and said, what are you guys still doing back here? I said, well, we need a break from Harlan. I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's just out there and, and we're all, up to 11. We're all the same age. Like, you know, that 80-year-old guy out there is putting us to shame. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so funny. I mean, you know, I, I, we, we did um, a couple of weeks ago, we uh, had Walter Koenig on the show, and uh, Harlan and him were very good friends. But he talked about their... The ups and downs of their relationship, and that you know, I said, you know, and 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 Walter's a bit of a curmudgeon and a neurotic, but you know, Harlan had him beat by you know, <laughs> light years. Um, but you know, it's so uh, people forget, you know, how important you know, Harlan is to our industry. And you know, when I was surprised when he passed away that it didn't get a little more um, attention because you know, he's such a Uh, You know, a figure that looms so large and is such a -a rankateur and such a significant icon of the genre. I know he hated being called a science fiction writer, he liked to be called mm -hmm. a writer. Um, but you know, he is like one of the great legendary science fiction writers, and it was you
3: know, huge.
5: The the first script we did when we were like, we were very cognizant, I know this is
3: Harlan's script, and we're going to
5: keep as much of
3: Harlan. Why don't you explain so the people at home because they might not know. Tell us about what this project actually was. Oh yeah,
5: this was, was the, uh, famously uh, Harlan wrote The City on the Edge of Forever, which was most people considered to be the best episode of classic Trek. And the, the version that aired is dramatically different in places than Harlan's original script. And Harlan like, uh, wrote books about it, he published his original screenplay.
0: And it was a sore spot for him for a long time,
5: for years and years. And again, this
0: is this and the all... book he wrote was still telling you what a sore spot it was. Yes,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a great book. Talk. What
1: was it called? <laughs> uh, I was, uh, I remember, I remember reading it. I mean, obviously, I was familiar with it. This is, probably, I mean, this book probably came out what 25, yeah. 30 yeah. years ago, yeah. where it has. The, the his draft of it and then he goes on to, to all revisions yeah lembast yeah. everyone who was <laughs> involved yes. and you know the, the, the pinheads right yeah. the, it's always the word and uh, yeah. you know just it, it is the most popular most beloved episode of Star Trek ever and uh,
5: you know oh it's awful they ruined it <laughs> you know it's like okay so and so um and this is all credit to Chris Ryle at IDW and and John Van Sitter at CBS that they actually Made made this happen where where um, Harlan was willing to to let us and J.K. Woodward. And that was a big part of it because Harlan had worked with J.K. and
4: he loved his and part. loved his stuff. Loved mm-hmm.
0: it.
5: And yeah. so we, d- we took his original screenplay and and recreated it as a comic exactly the way that he told the story.
0: Yeah. We took the teleplay. I mean, I, I marked it up with a pencil. And I, I remember at one point I was figuring it out. it's like, how many issues are we doing? And I said, well, that's not the same number of acts. Harlan's going to hate this already.
4: <laughs> 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 and
0: so, you know, we worked that out. And there was a point when early on um, uh, Harlan came to Chris at IDW and said, oh, those Texans are there. That's pretty pretty good Harlan. Said, yeah, yeah. They're, they're ruining the book. They're, they're, they're putting things I didn't do in here. And so Chris opened it up said, well, look, go Harlan, well, let's, let's check it out. And we had actually, because Scott and I had talked about this earlier on, we wanted to make it as, as close to what Harlan really wanted that episode to be. And we left his language there. We did as close as we can. I mean, we had to think, change things like, well, Kirk nodded. Well, you can't show a nod in a
4: comic book. Okay. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> but, <right>. but, <laughs> but all the other things, as
0: much as we could, we tried to keep that language exactly. Really, and then we really got J.K. on board with, okay, let's Portray this in the way that they would have done it in 1966, 67, if this is what they could have done at the time. Yeah. And, and J.K. got that. He's like, I got it. I can do that. And so everything about that book is really making this the, the version of that story that Harlan wanted to see.
5: Yeah. Right, right down to the, some of the stuff that, that Harlan, in Harlan scripts, he's very specific about, about camera angles and, and shots and running shots. And there's one reveal where you see where, his, where Spock is looking down and then he sees Kirk with Edith Keeler. And so we found a way to convert that into like a full- page splash, so mm-hmm. you see, you see Spock realizing what's going on, and that was the kind of things we were doing just to make this a Harlan book.
0: Yeah. And um, we always wanted to make it look just how Harlan did. You know one of, the things, one of the things that people sometimes complain about that story is that Spock in that story doesn't seem like Spock in the episodes. he's a little bit different. and the reason for that it's not that Harlan got it wrong. Harlan wrote that script so far back. It was the early part of the first season, and that's why that Spock actually seems like the yeah. Spock in, say, The Cage yeah. or, the, or the pilot episode. Well, and they
1: kept holding on to it, one, because they were trying to marshal their money so they could do it right, because it was the most expensive episode right. of the season, and two, because they kept having to rewrite it, yeah. and he was also <laughs> so slow. I mean, yeah. you know, So and, that's and, why
0: that Spock is that way, and we preserve that Spock in our version. Yeah. So we knew that's what, what Harley would have wanted.
5: So the first script goes out, and we're just waiting. See if approvals and it was over Thanksgiving and I was up north in the Bay Area at my father's house and phone rings. Not my cell phone, my father's number. Hmm. I pick it up. Hey kid, it's Harlan. Happy Thanksgiving, Harlan. <laughs> How did you get this number? And <laughs> he's like, that was a hell of a script you guys wrote. Oh <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was the only note we got from Harlan in five issues.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah it's oh, so wow. funny. I mean you hear him talk about yeah, the I didn't write it as a donut. You know, it's like, (laughs) and it's like, of course, in the thing, it's an interesting depiction of the Guardian. They're not
4: ruins, they're (laughs) runes.
1: And yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny. It's like even the title doesn't mean say, make any sense. City on the End of forever, I had a city that was on the <laughs> end of forever. There's no city in this. <laughs> it's like it's so. I mean, God, what what a, what a great.
5: There's famously a character that's cut entirely from the series. What's it? Is it Digger? Yeah, oh, Cutter. It's Cutter. 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 Cutter, and he he's this World War One veteran that befriends befriends Kirk, and J.K. painted Cutter to look like Harlan. Mm-hmm. So Harlan Harlan has like the, the, the biggest supporting role in the thing. Yeah. Oh, great. It's great. When there's a really nice hardcover edition of it, and Harlan wrote a uh, have a prologue and afterward. And in the prologue, he refers to me and Dave as the paladins of my original dream. Oh, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to put that on my tombstone. That's he, the best thing ever. Home, he had a way now. with words,
1: home, that, home. Home. that man.
0: So, yeah. Yeah.
1: But I, I remember, Rob, when we were, we remember we, it was right after 9-11. We were going to this convention in um Oh, yes. In uh, Madison, Wisconsin. It was in Wisconsin. October. It was, For like Halloween. Ride, it was a couple of weeks after, after 9-11. And we're going. in Harlan was a guest at that convention. We're getting on a plane. and My writing partner a good friend Steve Krasir is with us. And he's, uh, he's he he has vaguely uh, Middle Eastern features. Even though he's not Middle Eastern, as Harlan would say. So we're getting onto a plane, and TSA starts really hassling him, and they and they they basically bring him uh, to this room. You know, we don't know what's going on. And Harlan starts to get unasked for in the face of the TSA. Hey, he's a Jew from Chicago! Stop messing with him! And Steve (laughs) turns to him and says, Harlan. Stop helping me. Stay off my side. Yeah, <laughs> You know, he was like, he thought he was going to get carded off and everything. The more Harlan helped, the worse it got oh for Steve. Oh, my
3: Well, my, the only Carlin story that I have is that, on that same trip, we both went in. There was a used bookstore in the airport. Where did we land? Milwaukee? I think we landed. It was somewhere close to yeah, Madison. Yeah, it was close. And I went in there, and I, I ended up buying a roll doll book called Switch Bitch, which was three stories, I think. And, and I, I didn't know Harlem was in the bookstore, and I walk up to pay for my book, and he comes behind me and like taps me and he goes, let me see what you're buying. <laughs> 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 you know, and I, I showed him the book, and he's like, oh, it's impressive. You know, because it was like a copy from the 60s. It was a nice. And then I think his estimation of me went up. <laughs> <laughs> so.
5: uh, I think his estimation of me went down. Uh, this is before we did the book, uh, whatever. I was asked how some we were getting his comics to, to take to, to, to be sold. And so we we're going to go, to go through his comic book vault, which is legendary. Yeah. It's, um, like, it's like Uncle Scrooge, Money Ben. <laughs> <laughs> but afterwards, we're out, and as we're leaving, I said, oh, by the way, Harlan, um, I just got the job, to, uh, the assignment, to write the uh, official Star Trek Doctor Who crossover. And we were walking, and he stops his tracks, and he looks at me and goes, You poor dumb bastards.
2: Uh, uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) Repent. (laughs) Harlequin said the TikTok. Uh, 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 uh.
3: (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. So (laughs) how do you guys, I mean, what's your process when you, I mean, you've been at IDW for 10 years now writing these stories. How do you go about pitching new ideas to IDW? How does that work?
5: It's kind of a mix. Sometimes we'll have stuff we want to suggest, and a lot of time they come to us and say, do you have any ideas on this? Like the best one of that would be for, for a Star Trek Planet of the Apes, the primate directive.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: just still my favorite <laughs> title we ever had. Yeah. But yeah, That's a title I told them the first time, no, we're never going to call it that. And then later I said, all right, maybe we'll use that. Yeah, it's all. the old, <laughs> this is the bad version. <laughs> yeah, and it's, like, but yeah it's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, in, in the Planet of the Apes one, I think they came to us twice. They came to us the first time. And we couldn't quite crack the nut. I was like, I couldn't figure it out. And even more, I think, sometimes than Scott, my threshold with crossovers is they really have to have some kind of a story hook that means something. It can't just be a crossover for the sake of it. And we mean won- like X Men meets the Star Trek. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, laughs> yeah. And we couldn't really figure out the Yip one the first time. I just I just don't get it. And and I think they chopped it to some other people. No no I
5: think it, it was a full year and it went around to lots of yeah. other people, yeah. for the, to, to 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 try for it and no one else could do it. I think I went to John Byrne I know and well Bur- he
0: just said no no no.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, Bur- I think I think Byrne had specific oh, ideas. Yeah, he so wanted right. he didn't want he didn't want to have Taylor and he, he you just want to have just Doctor Zeus. and uh, they're like, "Yeah, no." But it was a <laughs> full year, and they came back to us and said, "Got any more ideas on that uh, Star Trek H thing?" <laughs> and on and that a, one, finally, yeah, we, we cracked had a, it.
0: Had another three-hour phone meeting. Yeah. The two of us, and that's where I think I finally came up with the idea of, like, well, what if it hooks into the the famous unexplained part of Planet of the Apes? How do the apes get back in time? How do they go right. backwards in time in Taylor's spaceship? And I said, "What if?" What if the Star Trek guy has left a tricorder behind? And what if that 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 sets up that 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 chain between the first movie and the third movie? Yeah. And I got, at first I thought, all right, I think that might be a good story. <laughs> and so we, we we
5: because they were very it had to have Charlton Heston. They wanted they wanted Taylor right. in there, mm-hmm. and you know Taylor's time on on Earth in those movies is pretty well plotted out. Yeah, yeah. There's only like this tiny bit between planet movies, and, yeah, beneath, and beneath yeah. where you can do it. And so that, and that was where we we could also crack the nut of how did they get back to the 70s, Earth, in an old spaceship.
4: And, <laughs> and you would assume that up. a
2: lot of that time is spent banging Linda Harris. I would
4: think so. You've got to work that in, right?
3: <laughs> and so we, we,
2: we that, was, that. was Daryl Zanik.
4: Yeah. All <laughs> oh, right.
3: Now, did you guys, were you beholden to Fox and CBS? And the, and the Taylor State? Oh. oh wow! We had we,
5: we had three approvals on that one. Yeah, they, so they we wanted to to the Heston estate or 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 Pierre Bourque or, State or yeah, the, the yeah. Heston estate. I'm sorry. <laughs> and the only note we ever got back from the Heston estate, do you remember what it was?
0: Was it about the depiction or something else? Was, he make loves
5: it, guns. Make his thighs a meteor. Oh. <laughs>
0: That wasn't for us. Okay. All right, that's for the <laughs> that's,
5: wow. So, wow, that's yeah. really funny. Meteor. But yeah, that was, that was Fox had notes, and ironically, we got more notes on the ape stuff from CBS than yes, we did we from did. Fox because I guy JBC knows his apes. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Um, yeah, so that that was how that worked. And uh, for Star Trek, Doctor Who was very similar, where they just came to us and said, "We wanted to cross these over. Give us an idea."
4: Yeah,
0: and we went around on that a while, and I think finally you and I came up with the idea that well, there's the Borg, and there's the Cybermen, and there's something interesting. there. Yeah, mm. and and that was that's the kind of thing I, I think that 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 can make a crossover work for us. If it's just a crossover for the sake of it, I have a really hard time but then I know you do too. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's that kind of a hook is important to to make those stories work.
5: And then, then there's stuff like where it's just stuff that we want to do. Like the the most recent next-gen series, Terra Incognita, it it, it it feeds off from our Mirror series, but it's also we just want to tell good next-gen stories, and we want to do it. Our thing is always we want to make these scripts like episodes. Mm-hmm. They should be they should be shootable. And so the, yeah. you don't want to do too much just because you're in a comic and you can. It needs to feel like an episode for us.
1: Yeah, that's the challenge, isn't it? Because you know, it was Nick Meyer who used to say, you know, Star or Leonard was saying Star Trek's a radio play, you know, and so it's not a format that necessarily lends itself to you know to comics because it's so talky and so cerebral and so so it's like, you know, that's always the challenge because you don't want it to become about space battles or the huge visuals it really is about these characters and how do you translate that to comic books and still you know maintain what the audience's expectations are in terms of artwork in terms of big you know comic book-like events. You know? right. Right.
0: And it's always a challenge for Star Trek comics because it is such a talky medium. You look at back those gold keys where they had that giant text in those square word balloons, and sometimes mm-hmm. those square word balloons would nick up the whole panel. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. You, you couldn't see right. You, you, the word balloons were burying the art because <laughs> yeah. they were saying
0: so much. Yeah. And it's always it's always tough for us, too, because we're always thinking we got to get this number of words down because Star Trek is talky that yeah. way. Yeah. You
5: know was good about that is, besides being lucky enough to work with Harlan, we also got to work with Nicholas Meyer. Because we adapted his uh, Sherlock Holmes, Sigmund Freud novel in the comics, and so he was working with us on that, and with with. Uh hard one, we were protecting every word, mm-hmm. and we'd get scripts back from Nick, and he was slashing his own dialogue left and right. <laughs> <laughs> and we wanted, we wanted it
0: to sound like Sherlock Holmes. Don't 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 take so much of it. So, because
5: with 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 Nicholas Meyer, it's all it's all about speed with the yeah, cutting.
0: He's, he's very much like with Star Trek too. It's like get that dialogue down short and tight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: Did you ever have stories that you pitched to CBS that they said no?
0: JVC said no, no, no. Um, can we we could tell the the motion picture story? Yeah, it? yeah, and, and, that's What happened is we had a uh, sort of phase two idea, and it was actually kind of moving along. And then things came up. That events happened with Stephen Collins and mm-hmm. we had to put that story aside oh, so, right. yeah it
5: was just the wrong so it got tabled yeah. so <laughs>
0: so that that's and that's one where we had put a fair amount of work you know the, the
5: right. proposal was pretty much all good to go yeah so and it was just because the they didn't want the likeness of Stephen Collins yeah. right
0: that then, at that yeah. Point, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean actually now we might have a better chance it might might yeah. work out but at the, it was right and it was like our timing could not have been worse it was like it was really <laughs> in the news It like, was all over the news yeah. now so, this
1: you know same thing happened for me when I was writing 50-year mission it was like you know I had been emailing back and forth and we're gonna do an interview for the book and and then that all went down it's like i don't want to talk to stephen
4: Collins. yeah yeah
3: what about uh stories that what, what are you most proud of in your 10 years stint i mean you you've written star trek longer than anybody who ever worked on any of the shows did <laughs> <It's cute>. so <laughs> after, <really> ten, <laughs> after 10 years like what are some of your high water marks
0: Harlan's project is one of the high water ones. Yeah, I that think, I think it is. That yeah.
3: one,
5: that, that one was awesome. that one was something special. Yeah,
0: and 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 the, the apes one is because the apes one got so much attention for us in a way that mm. I think our previous works did not. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. apes just kind of caught fire in a yeah, way. And it, we had got Dana Gould to write you know ah, pieces for the. Well, he's for, a huge apes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know he wrote he wrote really great essays for individual <laughs> issues. I got his phone number and I was like. So, you know we're
5: doing this Planet of the apes thing with Star Trek, and we're gonna have uh, people come in to write historical essays uh, for the five actors. i do out of five. <laughs> 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 All right, I guess you're on board. It, it's so funny if we were ever gonna do a, an apes podcast, he would
1: be the guy to host oh, it. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, you know, I don't think there's a podcast in apes, and I love Planet of the Apes, but uh, but um, he, yeah, you know, he's definitely the guy. I mean, he was the one back in the day when we were doing Sci-Fi Universe many years ago. Um, he wrote, um, you know. Uh, fifty reasons why Return of the Jedi sucks. You know, <laughs> him and Dan. Dan Weber with Dan right. Weber. And, you know, it's 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 great. And I even when people say, Why don't you like Je- a Jedi I'm Like just read that article.
5: I think I think the Planet of the Apes was one of the favorites because it's such a it's such a really at the heart of it bone stupid idea <laughs> and finding a way to make it work and make it feel like a Star Trek episode mm-hmm. and make it feel like it belongs in Planet of the apes that was if we, we if we couldn't crack that we wouldn't would And then done out it.
0: of the blue we got this great new artist for
5: it. Yeah we uh, um, Rachel Stott is just amazing and she had never worked at, she'd never worked in American Council before Chris found her at the London convention and she was great with likenesses and she was fantastic with her storytelling and it was just it was kind of everything yeah. came together in that one. Yeah. And it's amazing what a huge difference is
1: makes. I mean, I know when I was doing Deep Space Nine, it was like, they were all over the map with some of the art. And it's like, you know, when I had somebody like Trevor Goring, your friend Trevor Goring, yeah. it was a revelation. I'm like, yeah, I love yeah. what he did. I mean, it was just stunning. That's part of the reason I love Tarek Nollar so much. Some of the other comics, you know, depending on who, what artist you'd get, it's like, I, I, lower in my estimation just yeah. because they don't look great. It was great. like roulette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
5: We've been really lucky with artists. IUW has got great people often at the beginning of their careers. Like we started off with David Messina who's had a big run at DC on on Catwoman and a Marvel Wolverine, and he's back now for our new series. We had Sarah Pichelli, who went on to create Miles Morales. Uh, we got Casa Casagrande, who's doing all kinds of work for DC. And then we got lucky with J.K. Woodward, who's an amazing, fully-painted artist who does all of yeah, the we hard well, work. Well, this, yeah. this
3: broken and, mirror yeah. is, yeah. the mirror broken, sorry, the artwork is incredible. Yeah, yeah.
1: People love the mirror universe. Why, why do you think everybody, wh- wh- you know, what was the appeal for you of, you know, going to the mirror universe? I mean, you know, again, we talked about DC did it. Um, obviously, it's been done on all the shows, except, you know, for well, the Well, you know, part,
4: Mark,
2: you can do anything in the mirror
1: universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gene, what do you think of the comics? I mean, uh, you weren't that involved with them.
2: You know, I think uh, I was very involved in you know, getting the gold uh, Gold star comics. But What was it? The gold Gold something comics. And uh okay. You know, every time uh, money came in, I was happy. So uh, I think that would, that would also go along with these wonderful uh, books. Do you think there'll ever be a comic adaptation of The God Thing? I certainly hope so. <laughs> uh, certainly, uh, if the price is right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, the JFK story, that's what I want to see in comic oh, my form. my goodness. Yeah, that would, be, uh, that would be great to adapt.
2: Actually,
0: I think when we were going to do that phase two project, we were talking about taking some of the scripts from phase two stories and putting them into it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: That That, that should be done because a lot, I mean, they're very detailed treatments. Yeah, Yeah, they are. I I just, you know, I don't know, you know, how it would work in terms of, you know, what the ownership or, or the chain of title is clean enough that they, they, they can do it, but that would be really cool. I mean, obviously, Next Gen adapted The Child and did Devil's Due, but it'd be really cool to see some of those phase two, and definitely the JFK treatment. Yeah. It's an 80-page treatment. Yeah, I think yeah. I may even mention that many years years ago to Chris. I was like,
2: You know what I would love to see? That Star Trek New Voyages story,
1: Oh yes, visit no, no. It, I know visit to talking. a small planet. Visit to a small where the actors oh, find that. themselves uh, in the 23rd century on the Enterprise. That wonderful visits to a small planet. Revisited, revisited. That yeah, from great. New Voyages. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's great. I mean, do, th- do you know that that old collection from the early 70s? 76. It was fan fiction uh, anthology, and the two things that came out of it that are are great with that wonderful story which is the precursor of Galaxy Quest where Shatner, Nimoy and D. Kelly find themselves oh, on yeah, board I the real Enterprise. I've never read it. It's a wonderful story. I, we all remember it. I go back to it every couple of years yeah. to read it. and then a mind sifter which right. was like a little novella which was really good in that. Right. But um, but yeah, that would be great to adapt as a comic. Uh, I mean, um, I
2: can just imagine the wonderful artwork like this showing the like behind the scenes at the show. Yeah.
3: Well, there's also, I mean, it, it's interesting. The only, I think the Ashes of Eden Shatner's novel is the only novel that's been adapted into a comic. Yeah, who did that? DC did DC that. Did that. Yeah. But yeah. has there ever been thought about going back, like I'd love to see Diane Duane's novel The Wounded Sky adapted into comic form, or any of the novels. No,
5: there's, there's kind of a division between pocket between the, the, the novels and the comics at CBS, so there's, there's never really much thought of crossover. Yeah. Also, just uh, in terms of the day's market, uh, adapting a novel takes a lot of pages right and it's i yeah. mean that that's a pretty big commitment for something that's not a very popular right property and well, a novel within that you property. did
1: talk about you know obviously how you worked on angel and you know dark Horse had a lot of success with um uh, the buffy season uh eight and season nine which were officially sanctioned uh, t- they're considered canon uh you know has there been an effort or desire to try and do any of these books where they would be you know, literally considered canon. You know, whether it be the second five-year mission. You know, and you talked about phase two, or any of these, where, where, where the
5: comic books would be faithful to canon.
0: It came up with um, countdown, right? That yeah, was-
5: Countdown's considered canon. Yeah, yeah. and I think uh, I think also, I mean, as much as it really can be, all of the the um, verse stuff that Mike Johnson has written is considered canon to a degree. I always my my personal canon is always if I like a story, it happened. Right, and so I, mm-hmm. whenever, I never want to like uh, really plant my flag in whether something is canon or not right. because there are stories I love that I know aren't canon, but it means as much to me as any story I saw on television. So uh, that, right. that for me, for me, canon is much more about. How about a phaser cannon? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, are there pockets of the
1: Star Trek universe that you haven't been able to visit that you'd like to, or shows that you haven't been able to do that you'd like to? You know, like, you know, what's sort of on the, your Trek bucket list?
5: One of these days we're going to get uh, a big, long walk through motion picture era. <laughs> we want that motion picture, between motion picture yeah. and, and Trek Two, that, mm-hmm. that second five-year mission, but in the, the motion picture costumes with yeah. that ship. We're, yeah. We've been dying to do that for years. That. Yeah. And
0: maybe it's a phase two, maybe it's not phase two, yeah. but I have
5: one of The, the only time cool. we've gotten to use them was in, um, uh, what, uh, yeah. A.W. had a big uh, a big zombie crossover through all of their series. Infestation. Infestation. And we set our, our zombie crossover in that period, so we, we had them in
0: those uniforms, and With it they... was funny because we thought, you know, this is our chance to slip in these motion picture ones because they're not going to care since it's infestations. <laughs> so, right. and it worked, it totally worked.
3: That's interesting because you know, Christopher Bennett wrote a great novel, mm-hmm. uh, uh, called Ex Machina that takes place after Next Generation, where they go back to Yonada from For the not World after of next Generation. I mean, pardon me, after f- motion through picture. motion picture, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, where they they. For the world is hollow, and I've touched the sky, and Yonada reaches its destination. And... Well, after all, McCoy was off studying Fabrini medicine. Yeah, yeah, correct. <laughs> it's all of that's tied in, and I always thought that was that. What a great era to look at. Yeah, yeah. So that's,
5: that's
0: one thing we definitely
3: want, want to get to.
0: And I've wanted to do Voyager sometimes too. Yeah, yeah. Voy- Voyager hasn't really had any real attention in a long time. And
5: it's been one of the best parts about doing this Q series is we're finally going to play with the Voyager characters, mm-hmm. which we never have. Yeah. And make them interesting? Oh. <laughs> oh.
1: oh. Oh. did I say that? Oh, wait. Oh, I thought we were positive on this podcast. <laughs> I'm positive. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, I mean. Uh,
5: just, oh, hey, what do you think of Discovery, Darren? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, all, otherwise, all of our bucket list stuff, we've kind of got to. I mean, we, we had the Gorn special. We had a lot of Gorn We had the Orion special. We did you, had, you guys
3: do that Gorn hardcover?
5: No. Yeah. Our, we, did, we did it was an Alien Spotlight. And we had we had a, it was a, a Trek Two era, uh, Tyrell and Chekhov crash landing on a Gorn planet, Thanks. and then oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. wow, that's cool. That, that's really that's... fun. <laughs> we, we never saw enough of Tyrell. Then, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It, this was like actually a populated Gorn planet, so there were buildings, and they're like Gorn flying planes with the goggles. It was like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> see, and that's yeah. where
1: you know comics really. You said it goes back to you can do anything. Yeah. You can see a Gorn planet. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, a great yeah. use of yeah. the comic book medium. Um, and, and it's the Gorn, I assume, yeah. as opposed to what Enterprise did, no, where they
5: completely <laughs> changed the Gorn from what
1: uh, they that, are. That,
0: that was a lizard, I think. Yeah. yeah.
5: <laughs> and like, that's kind of one of the most fun things for us, is putting in some of the really arcane stuff, like the the, uh, the Saurians from Motion Picture. Mm-hmm. We use them whenever we can. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, we got the Mio and Neptunian into in in
0: Mirror oh, Broken. So oh, nice. nice. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that, in that case, we were like, well, they're getting near Neptune, right? Maybe there should be some Neptunian, <laughs> so, and,
5: and the Neptunians' uh, uh, hired guards are two Migo gourds. So they're brown and they're going to the cling on your for Oh, right.
0: It's just nice. so <laughs> my
4: goodness.
1: I, I, You know, like, we did that, that episode on the, the most uh, toys, which was uh, about Star Trek toys, and we had some fun with the Neptunians. <laughs> An alien!
4: <laughs> 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 the keeper. I
3: forget <laughs> that that commercial's so hilarious. Oh, TV. my God. It's Mego. so... Finally, those Mego toys. I and finally
5: found the Vol place set a couple of years ago. Yeah. Mission to Gamma Mission six. 6. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it was right right before Comic-Con. And then I ran into John Van Serra to CBS and I just held the phone and he's like, Is that a Mission to Gamma 6? Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you should have grabbed him with the (laughs) (laughs) glove. But natives, were friendly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The Lilliputians. That's what they were. That took a lot of of thought. See, that's what you should do, the Mission to Gamma 5. I I, I, I pay real money to see that. Credits to Navy Beans.
4: Um. (laughs)
3: So with this, with Mirror Broken, uh, how much work does this represent for you guys? Like, when you're coming I don't know how much was this like six issues four it's issues like,
5: uh, six or five uh, I think
0: it's
3: five five, it be, five yeah. issues individually so how long would that take from mm. a writing perspective
5: well, well, uh, and did
3: you write them all together and then turn it over to the artist no
5: we, we write them month by month and turn it over to the artist mm. so, so the artist's always working right uh, and because uh, most people don't realize just how close the deadlines are in comics <laughs> right? no, they're, they're crazy <laughs> close um,
0: so that, that that's about six months of work for us mm. wow yeah and Usually we divide up a comic in half. We, first of all, we, we break it down page by page, and then we, we each decide to take a half. and Sometimes that works better for one of us than the other one, depending <laughs> on who gets the better half, we think. <laughs> and, and then from there, we'll, we'll each write our half, then come back around and, and do a run on it to make sure it all, it all, all matches up and works out really well. And Then, then it goes to um, IDW for a pass, and CBS for a pass, and then comes back to us, and we'll make a revision. We don't do a whole lot of, of extensive revisions. We try to, and, and that's because I think we've done this so long that we know what's canon, what's not. Yeah. We, we're, we're, we're pretty good about that.
5: And with, um, we also try and really leave as much open as we can for our artists because we'll, we'll, we do full breakdowns. So, like, there, there's a, every page, they know exactly what, how many panels and what you want it to be like, but we always tell them, look, you're really good at this. If you can find a better way to tell the story that hits all the points, go do it, try it. Mm-hmm. And between J.K. Woodward or David Messina and Rachel, they, they always bring great things to it.
0: And sometimes, you know, in case like, like like this one exactly with Mirror Broken, is that J.K. brought a lot to this too because he had worked out with with with, uh, with John Ben Sitters a whole style guide yeah. for this new Mirror universe. This all came about before
5: gen. we even got involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They yeah. designed this whole this whole style guide <laughs> wow. for next gen uh, Mirror. So they came to us with all the characters designed already. Mm. And
3: said, now nah, here. So, your artists work with Van Sitter's? Oh, to yeah, do yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Wow. So this, this is
0: one where I- both of us were sort of, or all three of us were involved in that way. Yeah, it was so a very. That, that's why this was a particularly interesting project. Yeah,
5: so we got to come with this one, and we we saw the designs that J.K. and and JVC had came up with for all the characters. And I'm like, okay, why is he like that? What does that mean? How yeah. is we, so we got to come in yeah. with these fully realized so we, designs. It was
0: actually sort of fun for us because often that's all on us, and this time we had these 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 visual notes and cues from 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 J.K. From yeah. already. And then we kind of ran and like well, how can we spin a story around these designs that he's worked out?
5: Like We would never have done what we did with Data in the story if we hadn't gotten the design from, from, from them where he's, in, he's kind of Borgified. Right, and, and and we took that to mean well. If he's if he's Borgified, these components, this data, probably doesn't put any value on being human. So he takes advantage of that. So he's always swapping in new parts as needed. And we still have a scene of him like in his in his um, in his quarters with just this rack of arms behind him, just hanging hideously, huh. <laughs> For f- mm.
0: was- swapping out like a micronaut. Yeah.
5: <laughs> 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 and then you know,
1: did Enterprise ever get the comic book treatment? I don't think it did. Enterprise no. did not. Now is Enterprise featured in your new comic on the Q conflict? Enterprise is not. (laughs) So it's original cast, Next Generation, um, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. Voyager. Okay, okay. And uh, poor, poor, poor Enterprise. They 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 didn't get comic books. They do they have novels? No match
4: for poor Enterprise.
2: You well know,
5: the only Enterprise characters we've gotten to use is they had us do a um, a all doctors team up. It was Crusher oh, yeah. and McCoy and And who? And <laughs> 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 not, not, not that time.
3: <laughs> but we, we got to use the Doctor the Fox. Oh okay. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you guys do the con series? Oh yeah, that was awesome. we did. I loved I recently I, I read that I don't know in the last three or four months and I'd never caught up with it, but I actually John Schnepp. Who I used to do a TV show, a YouTube show yeah. with, had me on the show called Comic Book Shopping, and I'd always wanted that con series, and I never got it. So on Comic Book Shopping, they you know they have to buy what I pick out. <laughs> so that was one of the that was one of the, the and it was in this form, yeah, you know. Yeah. And and I recently read it for the first time. I really enjoyed it. Well, I thought it was great. Yeah,
5: that was that was another one that was fun. Where it's at first it's like oh great a whole con series, and then we think. Oh wait! It's just them on that planet with no hope for four mm-hmm. issues.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Khan's <laughs> not always also, also great after all. So. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that, that, that <laughs> may be what
1: CBS All Access is realizing <laughs> when they, <laughs> they develop
0: Yeah, we wrestled with a lot of those issues there, and we, we had to you know, we made him into an antihero to sort of make that work. Yeah, it, it, was, yeah. it was it was tricky sometimes. Yeah. and and like you said, there wasn't. Not a lot to do. Once, yeah, once, and once once the other planet explodes, it's,
5: it's the, the key to that one is really was really to play up the tragedy where we had to have that first issue where everything's going great, the planet right. the planet is flourishing, he's happy, he's got his woman by his side, yeah. everything's great, and then that's the nova goes off, and the next issue has to be everything going horribly, but he believes Kirk's going to come. Kirk's a good man; he's not going to leave us here. And then he just doesn't come. It yeah. doesn't come. And we, we played off and just that. make it make it a, a real reason for Khan to hate Kirk so because much. Because
0: when, when he left him there, he had a reason to be you know a little bit thankful for. Yeah, Kirk. yeah.
1: yeah. absolutely. Yeah. He just tried to kill the guy and <laughs> you know take over his <laughs> ship. Right. And Kirk's saying you know okay, we're gonna leave you on this planet, have fun. <laughs> you know, yeah. ding. And we uh, uh, really did
0: play that over the, over the next years that bitterness grew and grew. Yeah, and, and it, that that was the, the key that we how we found it to be working. to make it work. Yeah, that.
5: and yeah. we also made a point of having Chekhov go down there when. To drop them off so that Chekhov and Khan met.
4: Right, <laughs> of course.
3: Oh, that's funny. No, it was good. I like that series a lot. See, you know, and, and you wanted
1: an answer because when we had Walter on the show, he said, I'm gonna ask him how Khan knew you and and you never got to ask that I never question. Got to ask, and now I have the answer. Now you have the, answer, now I have the answer. answer. So if you like it, it's canon. That's our new philosophy, right? <laughs> so
3: do you do you think that moving forward that the Star Trek license I mean you've been doing it for a decade, do you see that it's gonna continue on to be strong and flourish in the comic market? Oh I think so.
0: I think so too. Yeah. I, I think, mean, I think CBS has found sort of a, a great spot with it now yeah. and 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 what they wanna do with it and, and
5: CBS trusts IDW so much. Right. Because I mean, we haven't even talked about it. I mean, alongside all the stuff that we've been doing, I mean, Mike Johnson did, did some great work with the Kelvinverse comics for all the movie stuff. And a long run of A, l- a very long yeah. run. And there's been all the great. John Byrne did some great stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. you about that. Yeah. It was really
1: because you mentioned how he passed on doing the other thing, but how uh, how great, uh, how clever that is in yeah. terms of doing. He did the, the photo Simon novel. Earth. Well, he's doing these, these like um, he adapted photo uh, uh, oh. the Cage, where he took the images and did word balloons. But after he had the success of the Cage, which is my 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 son just loves that I, that that John Byrne Cage. But then he started doing original stories. Yeah, where he take. Uh, frame grabs from all the different episodes and create new episodes with word balloons. I got to
5: visit him in the studio a couple years ago. Chris Mm Rao was heading out there for dinner and, you want to come have dinner at John Burns' house? Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And he was in the middle of really getting that going and he was showing us all these 3D renderings he'd made of all of the all of the, the enterprise sets, mm-hmm. so that he could then turn them from every angle for backgrounds right. for all of his these the books he went. And he did that for years, and
0: It's like Star Trek color forms. It really is like Star and Trek color comic, forms because he's comic. a huge Star Trek fan. Oh, yeah. That's why he's yeah. doing it. It's yeah. not
5: yeah. because he's making oh, no, so much no. money. And before that, he did when he was still doing regular comics. He did a really good uh, the, the the Gary Seven comics. Right. Yep. and then he did also um, a really good. Leonard McCoy Frontier Doctor series. Yep, right? that was great. <laughs> yep, and also really good Robby lines and Klingon stuff.
1: There, yeah, that yeah. stuff I really yeah. like. The yeah.
3: Alien, the, those are great. So, books. other
1: than Q, Q Conflict, what do you have coming up next, or what would you like to be doing next?
5: Um, right now, we're just we're way in the middle of, of Q Conflict. That's right. Yes. I mean, it, it, the right Bane right of now, Your Existence. Yeah, it's, it's not the Bane of my Existence, mm-hmm. but it's it's <laughs> all, all we're thinking about. But there's a, Bane's lot, of, a, there's different a lot of company. There's a lot a lot of
0: Q stuff to to work through. Q and some Trelane. Yep.
3: Aren't they the same thing? Um, Does the Arnold <laughs> Becker Q from L.A. Law come back? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not Q2? saying Q2. <laughs> oh, okay,
4: okay. okay. Well, I'm waiting for,
1: for Cisco and Q again. I'm glad because you know, Hyde Q, you know that 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 episode um, of Deep Space Nine is not a great episode. But it has some fun moments in right. it where Q meets Cisco, and uh, I, you know, he never came back to Deep Space Nine. It wasn't a good fit. But I'd love to see that. Uh, yeah, we, we really and play Q. up
5: on that antagonism with 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 Q and
3: Cisco. Yeah. Well, with, with since this will air after I think that comes out. Issue one. Yes. issue one. Do you have a favorite omnipotent being aside from Q in the Star Trek universe that you've enjoyed t- tapping into with this series? I've been series? waiting
5: to write Trelane for years. <laughs> so once we were able to get Trelane in Are here. Are you challenging me to a tour? <laughs> How wonderful. <laughs> um, Greetings and We got the first, uh, we got the art back just recently for the, for the first issue and there's this giant double page spread and it's such totally Contest of champion Secret Wars where it's right. all four crews mixed together looking up and then Q, Trelane, uh, the Metron and the Organian and Dave Messina has Trelaine. Rafe Needleman? You have Rafe Needleman in it? <laughs> <Trillane's>, the Organian? <laughs> Trelaine sitting in his in his throne with his one leg talked over and a big goblet. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly <laughs> what I
1: wanted. That's 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 awesome. So I gotta ask you before we let you go, um uh the uh, uh you, you know, if you're in LA and people wanna come visit your comic book store, tell us a little bit I'll about
5: Blast Off Comics in North Hollywood on Lancashire you know, at that cross section of Lancashire and Magnolia.
1: So if you live here, go go patronize uh, the establishment. If not, uh, uh, when you're going to Universal Studios Hollywood tour, uh, you've got to stop by and say hello and, and buy their comics. He might even sign a few for you.
5: Oh, there's, there's always signed comics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you, you should check it check it out when you're in. Uh, and Do you do mail order or is it just strictly retail? Um,
5: mostly, mostly retail. We yeah. do have a, a pretty good online site. So, so there's, there's uh, some, we mostly specialize in vintage. So it's a good selection of, of vintage '40s, '50s comics on our website, and also the website is uh, the place where I've been doing Comics One my monthly column I've been writing since the Kevin Smith days. Yes, yeah, when I used to write his site and a movie for, poop shoot. Yeah.
3: When I wrote Rob's Retinal Fetish.
5: Exactly. <laughs> I've been I've been doing that column since then, and and still haven't missed a week. So that's, that's amazing. That appears a blast off too.
1: Wow. That's wild. That's wild. Well Very look cool. this is so great. I mean it's it, it, it this is the joy I think of doing this podcast is you know we're 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 investigating all these different avenues of Star Trek that you know, some of our audience may not be familiar with, but also just so, so many great stories. And the thing that I think we've seen from everyone, except for Walter, is their love of Star Trek. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I'm only saying, I'm joking because he's such a curmudgeon, he loves Star Trek. But is it, the joy that we all have, you know, whenever you discovered it, whether it was uh, the original series or Next Gen or Deep Space Nine, it's, it's so great to just see this thing that, that binds the galaxy together. Wrong show. but um, <laughs> So so. thank you guys. Thanks for being here. Well,
4: thanks
0: for having me.
1: And uh, you know, I want to remind you uh, that uh, don't forget to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you have comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes, you can reach us on Twitter at Inglorious Trek, Instagram at Inglorious Trek Experts, or on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Inglorious Trek. Or you can order our fantastic Inglorious Trek Experts logo wear at Inglorious Trek.com. And uh, also, if you're a fan of Star Trek Discovery, don't forget to check out our sister show, Disco Nights, every Thursday night, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find Inglorious Trek every Sunday night uh, here on uh, wherever you're listening to this show. And uh, if you have comments and questions for future episodes, let us know. So uh, on behalf of the Tipton brothers, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, Darren Docterman, and myself, Mark A. Altman, keep on trekking, gloriously, of course. Engage.